Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Glad to be here and glad to be continuing the, the Joy to the World uh, series, which is our Christmas series. I did find out that um, uh, Kathy Spaulding uh, ministered uh, this morning, actually, in Vandalia on, on love and, and spoke the message last week here. And apparently I used uh, several of the same scriptures and stories, but from a different perspective. So uh, we are the whole theme is on Christmas, and so it is going to overlap, but the perspective is significantly different, so I'm, I'm sure you'll be blessed. Um, it's our Christmas series based on the traditional four themes of Advent, and many people grow up in church um, traditions that celebrate Advent and light a candle each week, and so there's four themes um, that are realized or brought to fulfillment uh, through the life of Jesus Christ. And the four themes are hope, and so we're talking about hope realized, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Love realized, what Kathy Spaulding spoke on last week. Peace realized, and uh, joy realized. So hope, love, peace, and joy. And there we go. <laughs> the projector just did something. Uh, and we'll look at how each one of those themes come through relationship with God uh, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. And really, a big part of this is adjusting the focus of the holiday, uh, uh, Christmas. And, uh, and I'm not an anti-Christmas guy. I actually think Christmas is great. I, I like all the traditions, the family gatherings, the giving of gifts. It's just, it's just a fun time of year, and, and that's a, it's appropriate. But we want to uh, also see that it is a meaningful time of the year in terms of the declaration of the gospel. And, um, you know, I travel a lot throughout the world, and it was years ago, I was, we were at, uh, uh, in Japan, which is one of the least Christian nations in the world. But because of the Christmas, because they, they, Christmas holiday is actually celebrated even in places like China, um, they, they just ad adapt and they use... Uh, Christmas themes from the states. Uh, and so I was in a, a store, in fact, all the stores in Japan during the Christmas season <clears throat> play Christmas music. And so on the radio is the song, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. I'm like, wow, this is amazing that the gospel, and so many of the Christmas songs are a declaration of the gospel, was being declared over and over and over again. And many uh, Japanese people, they actually are required to take several years of English, so they understand some of the English words. And so the message is being proclaimed. And, and so we want to turn the focus of Christmas uh, and expand it to the declaration of the gospel and see how the gospel's uh, portrayed and proclaimed through the, this story. So we're going to begin with one of the traditional Christmas verses found in Luke chapter 2. Uh, uh, from 4 to 14. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. He's uh, responding to the requirement that Caesar uh, required everyone to go to the uh, uh, town of their lineage their, uh, where their uh, grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers were born to register for a census. Okay, And so Joseph <coughs> went up from Galilee where they were living out of the city of Nazareth into Judea 
to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Then the angel said to them, It's okay. Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And then, boom, it was all gone. And the shepherds looked at each other. And they were like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? These guys had never seen an IMAX movie. <laughs> they never saw a laser show. They'd never seen electric lights or an airplane. They're on the field, getting ready to turn in for the night. Lowly shepherds. What do you think they felt? angel of the Lord appeared and told them this wonderful news. And then all of a sudden the whole sky was filled with angelic hosts singing and worshiping. Can you imagine how they felt? Like, wow! And then boom! It's like, it's a, what happened? You know what they did? They were like, let's go check it out. Okay. <laughs> they had the sea. And so, you know, we read these stories, and we get so used to them. They were real people, you know. The rest of their lives, they told that story. I was out in the field. Really, you were one of the shepherds? Yeah. You know, isn't that cool? The birth of a child. I don't know anyone that has experienced and witnessed firsthand the birth of a child and not gone away and said it was one of the most impacting, powerful experiences of their life. All right, how many have seen it happen? How many have been there? All right, <laughs> up close and personal. Some people more, more personal than others, all right? It's powerful. My life was changed the moment my first child was born. I knew from that point on, you know, before I wasn't a father, all of a sudden I'm a father. My identity changed, okay? And the significance of the change with each one of our four children it changes you when you see a new life come in to the world and you get to be part of it. You get to witness it. You know, the birth of a child isn't just a nice, cute experience. It's actually a powerful, powerful moment. It, it, it really transforms 
you when you're experiencing it. And it gives you really the ultimate, I think it is the ultimate expression of hope. You know, because when that baby is born, you, you get to witness a new life. You know, it's wow. You see the next generation as they begin. It's revealed right before your eyes. And a baby comes out and takes its first breath, makes its first sound, opens its eye, or his or her eyes for the first time. It's like, this is the next, this is the future. And there's something in you stirs. That's powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. And that hope can rise up regardless of how much trouble you have in your life. You know, how many difficulties you're dealing with. All of a sudden, all that stuff disappears. And you're, you're holding the future in your hands. And it's precious, but it's powerful. And it's a declaration of hope that there's something to come. So I thought I'd share some pictures. So the old guy there is my dad. <clears throat> and he's been gone for about 20 years. Uh, but he came down to see his first grandchild, our firstborn, little Tori. And so you can just see there's just that, wow, there's a wow factor, isn't there? You know, here's a good wow factor. That's my daughter, Emily. And how old was she then? I don't know. Almost five. Almost five. And that's our and that little baby is William. William, stand up. Stand up, Will. Stand up, Will. Stand up, Will. He's changed just a little bit. See? Look at what he did. It's like, wow. That's the future. And it's cute. And this is one of my favorites because it's all four of ours. At the birth of our youngest, little Lewis. And there's William Watt. Yeah, that's Lewis with dark, dark hair. And William hitting him on the head. <laughs> They're all excited. Even children are excited at the birth of a child. You know, because they know this is special. This is something. Our lives have changed. And then my firstborn with her firstborn, my first grandchild, Esther. That's Tori, my daughter. And Esther, my granddaughter. And so the birth of a child is a powerful and a significant and a, a, an event that is really an expression of hope. And it's interesting that God chose to communicate hope in this way, with the birth of a child. That's not by accident. There was a prophecies long ago, way back in Isaiah, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14 said, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look! The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And so the hope for the future of humanity and the Messiah begins with the birth of a child. And this child is unique because his name is Emmanuel. And throughout Scripture, all names are uh, significant. Uh, you should look them up. There's only a few places where the meaning of a name is actually included in the text of scripture and this one is so important they wrote it right in there because Emmanuel means God is with us so the name of this child this the Messiah King and we call him uh, Jesus his name from the, in the prophets was Emmanuel God with us it was the promise that God was going to come as a human and dwell in our midst Paul explains it a little more 
thoroughly and theologically in Philippians <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 6, but he's actually talking about the same event, the same historical occurrence when God, Jesus, uh, uh, the eternal existent one, and this is very important, I like to clarify this because I've, I've come across people that have been Christians for years and thought Jesus' life began when he was born, like everybody else's life, but it's very important that we understand Jesus is the eternal uh, son, son of God, God the Son. And so and the Bible actually says all things were created through Him, all right? And all things uh, are held together by the word of His power. And so Jesus is eternal. He has existed eternally. But at a moment in time, He chose to come and take upon Himself humanity, to come as a child. And so Paul explains this, says, Though he was God, Jesus, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. In other words, he didn't have to cling and hang on to it. He was, he was okay letting that go. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Wow. Now, he doesn't, it doesn't say that he gave up his divinity, because he was always fully divine. But he gave up the privileges, the power of divinity for the time that he was uh, on earth during his earthly ministry. It's very important to understand that. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. Wow, God, the infinite almighty one, came as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And so he started as in the womb, lived a complete life, and, then, and carried it to the fullness to the end by dying on the cross. <clears throat> Hope is realized for all mankind because Christ came and because he lived and he died with us. Emmanuel, the promise of the Messiah, was fulfilled through the life of Jesus Christ. And it's because he did that, we have a hope for our future. So let's look at another prophecy from uh, Isaiah, also concerning the birth of the Messiah. It says in chapter 9 of Isaiah, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's army will make this happen. Wow. That's a promise. That's hope, okay? And hope is realized as a ruler who will govern with justice and righteousness, all right? Jesus came as the Savior to save us from our sins, amen? But that's not the fullness of the gospel. The gospel is that he's going to rule hum humanity forever with peace and justice. He'll be wonderful, okay? And his peace will never end. Fairness and justice from the throne. All right, so this is a promise for eternity that human, mankind will have a, a, a place to dwell under a king who is just and fair. Every one of us deals with injustice in life. Have you? 
Have you ever been treated unfairly? Have you, have you had loved ones treated unfairly? Have you seen people taken advantage of? Yes! And we cry out for justice. And thank God we live in a, a society. Listen, we're so blessed. Don't take it for granted. Americans really should never have, we, we should never complain. Because we have it so well off. And if you haven't gone to a third world and seen people dying on the street because there is no food, and there is no job for them to get, and there is no food for them to get, you need to go there. Because there are billions of people that never come close to the level of blessing and abundance and prosperity that we take for granted. But for each and every one of them, there is a hope for justice. Because Jesus is going to come, and when he comes, he is going to bring justice. And he's going to come bring righteousness. And he's going to come and bring peace to every war-torn life on planet Earth. There is the hope of peace because of the person of Jesus Christ. He, is that good? Yeah, that's good news. That's what Christmas is about, all right? This promise is backed up, this hope for a future that has meaning and peace and comfort and joy is backed up by the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's army. Does that sound like I got the stuff to back this up? <laughs> All right? This is not a pipe dream. This is going to happen. I don't know if there's any words that could sum it up better. Right? The passionate commitment of the Lord of the armies of heaven is going to come and do what? Is going to enforce peace and righteousness and justice through the person of Jesus Christ. So I don't think it's any coincidence that the hope of humanity through the birth of Jesus paralyzed the most... Paral paralyzes. I did that first service too. Parallel. Parallels. Runs parallel. is similar too. <laughs> the most hope-filled experience of a person's life. Right? And so, birth of a new child, wow, it's so hopeful. Wow, so that experience is like a little taste, an appetizer portion of the hope and the joy that's realized with the birth of the Savior of mankind. You get it? So that experience that you experienced when you saw your child born or you're there witnessing the birth of someone else and the awe and the wonder, well, uh, times that by the billions and billions of lives that will be transformed by the birth of Jesus. And that's the awe and the wonder of the incarnation. That's the awe and the wonder and the, the hope that is embodied in the birth of Jesus Christ. And that's what Christmas is really all about. And it's worth celebrating. Jesus could have come as an adult. He could have just descended out of heaven uh, in a divine form like whatever that would look like, and demanded everyone to obey. Right? I mean, God's God. He could have done it whatever way he wanted. But <clears throat> there's a reason he came as an infant. He came into a womb. It's because the fullness of redemption includes the literal, the actual rebirth of all humanity. And God didn't take any shortcuts. And what I mean by that is that the plan of God 
through Jesus' incarnation and life and death and resurrection and the proclamation of the gospel is to undo everything that the curse and sin has done to humanity. To unravel all of the uh, injustice and evil that has happened in the lives of every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. And so in order for Jesus, in order for God to accomplish the fullness of redemption, he had to start at the beginning. And the beginning of life is in the womb. And so Jesus started in the womb and, and, and went through the whole process. And this familiar verse that we always quote, it's the most famous verse in the Bible, and it, it talks about Jesus coming as a baby. Right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. How did that happen? He was conceived of the Holy Spirit in the body of the Virgin Mary and then was born in Bethlehem in, in, a, sta- in a barn, in a, in a, in a manger. <clears throat> so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And so the gospel message starts at the beginning because it, it, it includes the redemption of the whole of human life. And that then uh, is a picture or portrays that Jesus' intention, God's intention, is to redeem the whole of humanity. All right? It's, it's the big G gospel. And Jesus was explaining this uh, to a Jewish scholar. And we'll just read through this and, and, and apply it uh, into this perspective. It says in John 3, this is actually just a few verses before John 3.16. Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee, came to speak with Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs or evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again... You can't even see the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is that the righteousness, the peace, the rule of the Messiah that was promised that all the Jews were looking forward to. And and Jesus said, listen, you'll never see it unless you're born again. And Nicodemus responds, what do you mean? What are you you talking about? How how can you think I'm going to go back in up in my mother's womb and be born again? What are you talking about? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Now, how many have heard the term born again before? Everybody hears the term born again. Have you been born again? Yeah, I've been born again. Really? So this is what I think. When Nicodemus heard it, it wasn't just a religious term that had been said for centuries, like it was when you heard it, or when we say it, or when you see it at the baseball game. You must be born again. I don't know. Do they still do that? <laughs> Maybe. John 3.16? <laughs> huh? Bible man. All right, so in other words, when Nicodemus heard it, he was like, Jesus, that's ridiculous. He just told Jesus, you're from God. You're sent from God. Your miracles prove it. 
And then he said, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. In other words, what Jesus said was ridiculous. It didn't make any sense. And we hear it, and we automatically just fill in the blank. Oh, that means accepting Jesus as Lord. No! It means you need to be born again. And, and I'm, I'm trying to challenge you to say, what does he really mean by that? Because Nicodemus had to go, wait a minute. What does he really mean by that? And Jesus said, I really mean you have to be born again. And in fact, if you're not, you can't even see what I'm bringing. You'll never experience it. <clears throat> Jesus made it clear to enter into this kingdom, this rule of the Messiah King, this peace and this uh, glory that was promised. You must experience this. And he's not talking about heaven, folks, because you must be born again now in order to be in the resurrection uh, uh, to, to everlasting life, right? You can't wait till then to decide. You actually have, and it's not just a decision. It's something that, you know what? When a child is born, do they even decide that they're going to be born? Huh? It's an experience, isn't it? It's a massive experience. And so we need to experience being born again now in order to partake. So even in Jesus' birth, he led by example. Listen to this. His incarnation, he existed eternally beforehand, but he took on a new life. Being born as a human was to signify and signifies in some way that we also must be born again. Christ took on our humanity so that we could take on and share in his divinity. Right? Remember back in Philippians? It said he willingly uh, chose to, uh, what was the word? Uh, huh? Give up the privilege of divinity. All right? The privileges he set aside. So think for a moment. How drastic of a change it was for Jesus. All right, just think for a minute what it must be like. We don't know what it's like in heaven, right? <clears throat> but just think what it must be like for Jesus in heaven. Not on earth, not, not stained by sin, not, no suffering. He's in, he is the glory of God. And he is the same. he's sitting on the throne with his Father and the Holy Spirit and there's the hosts of heaven all around him. And he chooses... For the sake of mankind, he's like, Dad, I'm going. So I'll send you. Okay. I'm going to leave behind humanity. I'm going to leave behind divinity and cross the void. And he, and he goes from the fullness of heaven and he shrinks himself into a human fetus in a womb. For nine months. Waiting. Until 
He presses through the birth canal and <laughs> pops out his head. <laughs> this is God. And he goes, stinks in here. Because <laughs> he was in a manger. There were animals and manure. And he said, I'm covered in blood. But he didn't say that. He didn't talk yet. Okay. How big of a difference did he experience? Huh? How big of a difference from the glory of heaven, eternal existence, to being squished inside of a form human, inside of another human? Huh? Massive difference. Wow. <clears throat> In the same way that Jesus' life was transformed <clears throat> to such a degree in his birth, the message of his birth is that we can be transformed, I believe, in an equal measure in the opposite direction. You hear me? Divinity took on humanity so humanity could take on the characteristics, the attributes of God. We share in his divinity. We don't become divine. But he shares with us all of the... We are invited into heaven. Where? To sit with him in heaven. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. All right. So, my challenge to you is, have you been born again? Have you experienced, if, if, if Jesus' experience is, is the negative portrayal of the, of the distance or the significance of change, have you experienced that positive, that, that same change in a, as significant of a way? Has your life been transformed from simply human, bound, bloody, cursed to death, the fullness of life, freedom, and joy by being born again. Has it? For me, I'm like, partly. But my change is nowhere near as vast as the change that happened in Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's the hope of the message of the incarnation, is that no matter how far you've come, there is an infinite way to go, all right? The fullness of the divine nature is waiting for you to step into. And yes, we will only enter into the fullness of that in the resurrection when we're with Christ, when we'll see as we are seen. Right now we see dimly as through a, a, a glass, but we will we'll see fully, <clears throat> we'll know fully. But listen, you don't have to wait till then to experience it now because the call of the gospel and the message of Christmas and the hope of Christmas is that you are able to be born again now. That whatever your life is, whatever your life has been, you can have a new beginning as completely and radically different as Jesus experienced. Because he invaded humanity to rescue humanity to take us into heaven.